Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Draft season is here. Come on, come on. There you go. To break down every need. They're not going to pick a quarterback. They need offensive linemen. They need defense. Every pro day. He had a phenomenal pro day. Explosive, really good in the three cone, the broad jump. And every mock. You could probably tell me if you think the Vikings would actually do it. I can tell you as a draft analyst that they absolutely should. Welcome to the Chris Trapasso Draft Show on Purple Insider. This is a good podcast to listen to leading into the draft. Welcome to another Chris Trapasso Draft Show. Matthew Collar along with CBS Draft Analyst Chris Trapasso. And uh, Chris, I am free of the jury duty and now can focus entirely on the NFL Draft. So I will say my normal process has been set back a little bit. Normally, the week before the Combine, I play catch up on what's been going on with mock drafts and who the top players are coming out of the senior bowl, who's been moving and shaking, but I've been spending eight hours a day trying to determine someone's fate that I wasn't even allowed to determine their fate because mm. I was the alternate. It was the worst, but anyway, uh, so you're going to help me with this process and get people ready for the top players in the draft and what we want to see from them in the combine. Are you excited about the combine? It's always a good time. I am. I'm excited uh, because, like you, I, I like the quantitative side of the draft process and looking back at historical numbers for three cone and length. And I think, like we mentioned a few episodes ago, it's actually will be fun for Vikings fans to lay the foundation of what this new regime, the prototypes that they have at all those positions, that they're not just looking for the next Danelle Hunter, they're not looking for, you know, the next Xavier Rhodes, whatever it may be. Um, I, I like that. I, I will say over the last five or so years, a lot of the top prospects uh, have kind of made it a trend to like opt out from a lot of the workouts. Kyle Hamilton was injured in the season. I don't know if he's going to work out. Derek Stingley, the same thing, the LSU cornerback. Um, and it's just not being that prolific of a quarterback class. There's probably like less buzz uh, this year, even though we didn't have one last year, and I think a lot of people are excited to just have the event occur, like myself, it, it's not like, hey, is someone going to threaten the 40-yard dash record? There's these you know, ton of top-tier quarterbacks, and we're going to see crazy workouts from a bunch of other players because a lot of those guys ultimately decide not to work out and then test through the roof at their pro days, obviously. Yeah, for me, it's actually for what we do at Purple Insider, it's not really a whole lot about – the prospects uh, it's about seeing people uh, that I know and getting them on the show and talking about the lead up to the draft and mm -hmm. then talking with Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell. And uh, the fact that we get a side session as beat reporters with them is really valuable yeah. to get to know them, but also, um, you know, a lot of times at those podium sessions, a, they know they're on NFL network and B it's a lot of national reporters who are kind of popping in and out to different press conferences. And so, um, we can get a lot of information about like how they're going to approach all this or how they view the off season. So I can't wait to go 
from that perspective. But there's also every year there is moving and shaking at the NFL combine. There's guys that you never heard of or never heard of their colleges. Sometimes Kyle Duggar was this way. I was like, okay, what that's made up. Right. And then he's become a good player uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL. And there are other guys who have question marks about their athleticism. Antoine Winfield jr. Was one of these. And then they go to the combine and they prove it and they say, all right, did you see that? And then uh, there are other guys like Justin Jefferson who absolutely dominate the combine and no one seems to pay attention. Justin Jefferson relative athletic score was like 97% or 9.7 and out of 10. And it was just like, Oh yeah, whatever. He's fine. Who cares? And he ends up, uh, you know, dropping past other receivers. So it's always interesting to go back and look and be like, did you guys not see his combine? I think he was fast enough to be an outside receiver, but I wanted to start by asking you, is there controversy at the top of the draft? Like do the draft analysts such as yourself have the guy or is it unclear? It is more unclear for this draft class than any other draft class that I've evaluated. Uh, it, it is relatively early in the process, but usually leading into the combine, there's like a general consensus of who's going to be the number one overall pick. You might hear some speculation during the week of the combine or after, hey, maybe the Cardinals don't really like Kyler Murray or the Bengals aren't going to pick Joe Burrow, but it's like everyone kind of knows that's who it's going to be. This year, it's not just because the Jaguars have the first pick, there doesn't there's certainly not a number one consensus quarterback. Like there's been really in almost every draft class the last five or six years. Also the top player, if we're not talking about a quarterback, is it Evan Neal? Is it Kyle Hamilton? Is it Derek Stingley? Is it Aiden Hutchinson? Uh, There's a lot of, or a wide array of opinions on who really is the best prospect and what the Jaguars will do. Will they just say, Hey, Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama, He plays a pretty vital position that we need. We have Trevor Lawrence. Let's pick him. Even though his film is not really as good in 2021 as it was earlier in his Alabama career, or do they truly just go best player available, which most people kind of think one of Aiden Hutchinson, Kyle Hamilton, or Derek Stingley, maybe not gigantic need positions for the Jaguars, but then they're the Jaguars. They need pretty much every position at this point. So that's certainly add some intrigue to the combine to see how some of these top prospects test. I've had Evan Neal going number one overall for, I would say the vast majority of my mock drafts because he's listed at like six, seven and three forty-five, And there was this box jump of uh, viral video that came out, I think during the football season of him, like doing a split in midair, like uh, on top of a box, two boxes, like towered up. Um, if he tests really well, I think, that will probably be the consensus leaving Indianapolis, but to go in and really be like, Hey, there's about six names in the hat. We really don't know who will be that consensus guy coming out of the combine. And that athleticism does definitely matter, especially for first round prospects, like the guys who go the earliest, that's really the most intriguing kind of overarching storyline heading into Indy. So you put out a mock at uh, cbssports.com and people should go check that out. And you have indeed Evan Neal as your first overall pick. My question on uh, Kyle Hamilton, who I see draft Twitter, people just raving over constantly and his tape and everything else is would anyone draft a safety with the top pick? Because as much as, I mean, we've seen it in Minnesota with Harrison Smith, as much as a great safety can impact everything you do, 
it's just not quite the same as a left tackle, a defensive end, a shutdown corner, even a wide receiver, maybe in terms of positional value. And uh, in your mock, you have Kyle Hamilton going number two to the Detroit Lions. Do you think that teams will look at that and just say, the guy's a freak, we're going to take him, and he could be a longtime game changer? Or could he not be drafted as high because of what his position is? That's a great question. I, I'm leaning toward the fact of that I, I think Hamilton, hopefully he works out, is just an absolute freak, and positional value will not be thrown out with him, but because his film is that good, and because this is not just you know a, a deep middle free safety that had like eight interceptions in his final season. And if 75% of the passes in today's NFL are zero to nine yards past the line of scrimmage, it's like, Oh, like what is the true value in a ball hawking free safety today as compared to 10 or 20 years ago, he really is like a linebacker. I think you can even use him not as an edge rusher, but blitzing off the corner. I think he's probably the most intimidating presence at the safety position doing that in a long time, cover tight ends, stay with backs, be a slot defender, uh, great against the run. So he really will be able to sell himself as kind of that Derwin James type. Now, Derwin James went 17th overall. No one's really sure why. I mean, he had some injuries at Florida State. Kyle Hamilton is coming off an injury. I don't think quite as serious as the knee problem that Derwin James had um, when he entered the NFL. But yeah, I, I think for some teams, they will say, hey, like this is a safety and it's certainly a position that's growing in importance. But to your point, quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher, wide receiver are more valuable. I, I still think Aiden Hutchinson is probably your best bet to go number two overall because the Lions definitely need an edge rusher. But after doing a ton of mock drafts, I've had Aiden Hutchinson there. I wanted to see how the top 10 would unfold if there was kind of a surprise pick there. Because again, we just have so much um, uncertainty at the top of this class. Yeah, and I want to go through the top, well, let's go through the top 11 so we can get to what the mm -hmm. stage might look like for the Vikings uh, on draft night. And you have Aiden Hutchinson next with the number three pick to the Houston Texans. I mean, we, your point about Detroit, though, I mean, they really need everything. They mm -hmm. need wide receivers, which we'll get to. Your first receiver off the board has an incredible name. So we need to talk about that. Uh, but I watched a bit of uh, Hutchinson this year. And I mean, especially that game against Ohio State, the man was just unstoppable. And I think that the combine is a chance for him to show what his athletic numbers are, show what his strength numbers are. You know what is always annoying to me about prospects sometimes is there is one clip that got sent all over the place of Hutchinson being thrown by a tackle. And it was like, I don't know, can he really play? Because he got thrown by this tackle. It's like, look, man, if you play this many snaps, sometimes you're going to get thrown down by a tackle if you're a defensive end. That always drives me crazy. Or if somebody has one highlight reel, remember that one play that guy made? It's like, well, that's not how this needs to be done. But uh, I think Hutchinson is a, a, an incredible talent and feels to me, I don't want to call him safe pick because that's like implies that he's not good, but feels like to me the guy that you can easiest project what he's going to be. Yeah, that's a great overall kind of uh, opinion on Aiden Hutchinson, even from just watching him a little bit. And certainly the fact that there was, I think, in the in the Georgia game, in the college football semifinal, like he wasn't as good and there were some bad reps there. But like his other, the vast majority of his other 600 snaps, or whatever it was last season, were really, really good. And yes, he does feel like the prospect that 
even if he underwhelms a little bit, he's going to be like a 60 to 70 tackle defensive end, never come off the field, you know, 40 to 50 pressures, five to seven sacks a season because he's just, and the reason for that is he's pretty strong. He's apparently a very good athlete. He was near the top of Bruce Feldman's freak list before the season. And he's got a great array of pass rushing moves. And what I like to see is that each year in college, he got better. Like this was not, he had a great freshman season. And then what happened is sophomore and junior season. Like he looked flashed a little bit as a sophomore 2020 looked a little bit better and then was dominant in the final season at Michigan. Uh, So yeah, I think Aiden Hutchinson, there is upside and there's high floor with him. So to call him a safe pick, I think is absolutely correct. And I, I will be stunned if he's just a complete bust and just cannot play because he can beat blockers in a variety of ways and has NFL caliber size. And we'll see about his athleticism, but there's a decent amount of hype that he's going to test very well. And we'll be able to compare him to the Nick Bosa and the Joey Bosa's of the world, like those defensive ends that have gone inside the top five that have ultimately become very good around the edge in the NFL. I would like to congratulate the Houston Texans on having a first round draft pick. Good for them. Uh, hasn't been the case. Like, <laughs> isn't that funny? If the, the Rams do it and they win like, Oh, genius trade away all your picks. You're super smart for trading your picks. Let's not forget. There have been some other teams that have traded some picks for one player who have had it blow up in their face. Jamal Adams, Laramie Puntzel. Like uh, it doesn't always work to just trade away your draft picks. It's not always smart, but good for them. Good for you. Texans. I was going to ask you too about positions, uh, you know, and, and how you get the great players in the league. I mean, it's always if you draft them higher, it's better. But I've seen some things recently that sort of suggest with defensive ends that if you don't get them real high, your chances of them becoming great are, are not that good. And um, again, that, that kind of goes for everybody, but defensive ends and pass rushers kind of stick out in this way, statistically. Uh, I wonder why you think that is. That's a really good point to bring up. And I think that's true, um, especially for that position when you're wondering like, okay, that seems obvious. Wouldn't that be the case for every position? I think interior offensive line, you can, there will be in five years, we'll look back on the 2022 draft and there will be a handful of Pro Bowl caliber guards and centers that were picked between the third round and the sixth round. Running backs, obviously. I even think today wide receiver is kind of the same. Like there will be good players at receiver picked in this first round. There will also be not even just day two on day three. The edge rushers, I think it's because it's one position that is there's so much of a need for polish and power and size. You really need to check all the boxes to be good. You can be just a speedy wide receiver and have a niche as just the downfield guy. You can be super quick, but not that fast. You can be the underneath receiver and be and, and be like a Cole Beasley type who's super quick, but he's not a contested catch guy. He's not super fast. At defensive end, I think you need to be powerful to win with the bull rush. You need to have good length so these super long NFL offensive tackles aren't getting into your chest before you can get into theirs and then win with pass rushing moves and then be bendy around the corner. Like if you're in the NFL, and I've seen this a ton with even really athletic edge rushers that only win around the corner or only win with their power, there's a lot of hype for those guys in some occasions. And um, Noah Spence is someone that really sticks out to me. I don't know if you remember that name, but he was this like bendy. People were like comparing him to Von Miller because he was around the same size. 
outside speed rusher, had no pass rushing moves, no power. But really, when he got around the corner, he was, looked like Von Miller. But people forget that Von Miller is incredibly strong, can win with a bull rush, and has an array of pass rushing moves, a spin move, a swim, a swipe, everything. I think edge rusher demands the most in terms of a finesse game and the power and the length and the size that you need to deal with these six foot five, 330 pound offensive tackles that have 34 inch arms or longer. I think more so than any other spot, you really need to check every single box to not just be like a quality player. That's maybe slightly above replacement level, but to be that true game changer, you need to really be a physical specimen, athletic, flexible, pass rushing moves and powerful. And there is some of playing to the strengths of an edge rusher, but not much. I mean, no. it's basically everyone has the same job and it feels like athletically there's a price to play poker. Like you have to be this quick, this strong, or you're just not going, like you said, long and the size, or you, they're just going to stop you. <laughs> and, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the end of the story for most people. There are outliers to this and guys who were not drafted at the top. But if you're a receiver by a different shape and size or even speed, uh, Cooper Cup ran a 4.6, but he's so shifty. He's so good with the ball in his hands. He's so hardworking and has high IQ and like checks off all the other boxes that straight line speed doesn't really matter for him. And then there are other guys who aren't great route runners where straight line speed does work for them. You could just use the guy the way that he should be used. That's not the case with edge rushers. You versus that dude, and that's the game. Uh, so I think that's a great assessment of, of why that would be. And also why I think if you're the Vikings, if you don't draft quarterback, um, that edge rusher is, is, should be at the very top because you're not going to get them by just trying to draft and develop. The Vikings, as you alluded to, they picked one dude in the third round. And I know it sort of happened with Griffin too with the fourth round. Griffin had the price to play poker. They were worried about his personality. But I mean, so did Daniil Hunter and they were worried about his lack of production, but both of these things don't even happen anymore. I think, I think Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter both end up as first round picks if they were being drafted today based on what they were as prospects. Anyhow, the, uh, the next fella, you're going to have to help me with the uh, pronunciation because I've only seen it written and I have not heard it spoken. Akeem Akwanwu. Most people say icky because the, I I think it's pretty hard to say Uh, Ikem Akwanwu, but. Oh, it's Ikem. Okay. Icom, yeah. Icom Ikonwu. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, Pretty I'll close. work on that. Well, the Vikings won't be drafting him anyway. Uh, he is, <laughs> he's an offensive lineman from NC State. You've got him going fourth to the Jets. Uh, is that say something about Mackay Becton, or what do you think uh, that they'll want an offensive lineman for? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. A little bit. Uh, it's a little about backed in with the, with the injury and the fact that he he was someone that as a rookie was good, but I think a few highlight reel blocks in the run game kind of made people think that he was like an all pro caliber and he really wasn't. And I think I don't think Joe Douglas, their GM, is on the hot seat, but if Zach Wilson has another disastrous season will and just looks like clearly not the guy and had his sack rate was 10.3% this past year, which is brutal. Really, really bad. He's a rookie. I get it. But if they don't really fix the offensive line, I think Joe Douglas could be entering the next season squarely on the hot seat. And who knows crazier things can happen if they go four and 13 or something. And, and, and Zach Wilson doesn't look like the guy because the offensive line is really bad. He could get fired. So just get him another offensive lineman. The right tackle is not really um, a spot that's solidified. And Equanru is kind of just a quick summary. I compared him to Laramie Tunsil. He's a little bit more of a run blocker than Laramie Tunsil, but he's kind of like a little bit compact. He's not 6'7", 350. He's smaller. Some people thought early in the process that he could be a guard, uh, but he's just like a, a, a mobile mauler. Like he's he's has really fun film because he's great on the move. He's pretty well balanced. I think that he's probably eventually will go a little lower than this. I've kind of been obviously tracking, tracking all these mock drafts too. Uh, it, it seems like the NFL and the really big draft analysts like uh, Daniel Jeremiah, like think he, at this point, he's going to go this high, but don't be surprised if at the combine, he measures in a little bit smaller. And like, if you look back at history, it's pretty hard to be like barely six, four and have shorter arms and then still be, a top five offensive tackle or, or a top five pick at offensive tackle in the NFL. Like it's the combine and those measurements, we say they don't matter, but when you look at you know, just even the last 20 years at the combine, those players that test well, that are long and really big, they go inside the top 10, top half of the first round. All right. Because at the very top, you're looking for the guys who make the hall of fame. Uh, yes. really. I mean, yeah. not just, Hey, can this guy become a pretty good starter? You're looking for somebody who like trans uh, transforms your franchise yeah. essentially. And so if they don't match up on these things, it feels a little ridiculous at times, but mm-hmm. there's again, kind of a limitation if you're not the way that all the hall of famers are physically. And so, yeah, that's an interesting point and something to keep an eye on. And also, you know, with these measurements, it's, there's always a little bit of like, uh, let's see what the actual measurement is uh, at the combine. So Charles Cross, you have going next an offensive lineman to the New York giants. And uh, here's my question for you on this. I mean, is this, is this like the line draft where everybody, like all the prospects are kind of in the trenches because it's sort of seeming that way. Yeah, I, I think we'll see that, and especially in the top half of the first round for a team like the Vikings. That's music to their ears because the quarterbacks, I think, will fall. Um, I know, I think, what, on our last episode, did you talk me into no quarterbacks going in the first round or, or inside the top 10? Yes, or you and I thought talk me into it, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, but the edge rusher class – at the top and the first round depth. Like I think we could see five or six edge rushers go in round one and the top of the offensive tackle class. And then really even the back end of the first round with Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, Bernard Raymond, you'll certainly get to know those names over the next couple months. Uh, I, I think we could see four or five offensive tackles. So this class, we've heard a lot about the quarterbacks in general, not being great. 
but up front at those marquee positions, it's actually pretty good. Um, sorry if the dog gagged in the background again, I've been doing these shows because of jury duty later on in the evening, which is like after she eats and then she's usually just going ah, ah, sometimes. So I <laughs> apologize for that. People have heard that a couple of times this week and I'm sorry, she's fine. She just does that. Uh, well, so that's interesting to me because like you said, I mean, that really helps the Vikings. If teams are looking at, uh, these, offensive and defensive linemen and saying, these are the guys we're going to take at the top. The other thing too, is when I look at these first few teams, they need those positions. Yes. And they also don't necessarily need quarterbacks. I I mean, Mm -hmm. the giants are an interesting one here because they have said that, yeah, no, we want Daniel Jones to be our guy, but I, I don't know if I would be totally stunned if the guy who just coached Josh Allen said, Malik Willis, baby. I don't need another offensive lineman. I'll sign those in free agency. I need a dude who can huck that football because Daniel Jones, even though he's um, pretty good athletically, remember when he ran 20 miles an hour and fell over, Uh, but you know, like not a terrible athlete. There's just a very limited ceiling on a guy who went to Duke and has turned the ball over as much as he's thrown touchdowns over his first couple of years. I could really see, uh, Brian Dable looking at Malik Willis and saying, that's that's my Josh Allen here and we're going to draft him. And then we'll say, Daniel's still our guy. And then, you know, next year they'll trade him or something. I don't know. I, I, I feel like this pick to the Giants is the first one that starts to threaten the quarterback. Yeah, definitely. And and I've tweeted that like right after Brian Dable got hired, I, I was like, he's going to be all over Malik Willis. And we talked about it off air that like the Vikings have kind of said like, hey, we like your cousins. He's our guy. You tend to think, and I agree with you, that that might not be the, or we might find out that that's not really the case once we get into the uh, the the start of the new league year or whenever a trade can be consummated. I guess that's really whenever. But uh, Brian Dable, like when I've tweeted that, a lot of Giants fans have reached out. And they're like, no, 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 no. They really, truly like Daniel Jones, and obviously these are just fans. I'm like, how do you know? Like, no one knows. Um, Josh is our guy. That's the one I always come back to. Josh yeah, Rosen Josh is our Rosen. guy. Yeah, that 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 tweet is is always something to keep in the back of your mind. And then, like, wasn't it literally the next day, or <laughs> they traded him? It, it was not long after. Yeah. So yeah, this is the pick because obviously they have two first round or two picks inside the top ten. The Giants do. If they pick a quarterback, it's going to be with this selection. There is an idea based on what you just said and what I agree with that it's a good offensive tackle class at the top. Um, it's a good wide receiver class, so they could maybe say, hey. Let's get a really good offensive lineman, get him another receiver, and let's try him out, Daniel Jones, in 2022. If he's not really that good, we can say, hey, look, our team is actually pretty good now on offense personnel-wise. The quarterback's just holding us back. Then 2023, there's Bryce Young. There's a lot of other uh, way or what seem to be more highly touted quarterback prospects than what we have in this year's class, and that could be kind of the excuse, and let's pick a quarterback then. But, yes, you're right. This is the first spot because of the Josh Allen, Brian Dable, Malik Willis kind of triangle that would certainly make sense, could could threaten one of the quarterbacks, whoever you like for the Vikings that could go off the board here to New York. Now I could see the Giants at seven picking a quarterback if Carolina at six has their quarterback position solved. So if they trade Mm, for, oh, I don't know. Kirk Cousins, uh, that uh, maybe then uh, they would be drafting, as you have mocked, 
the guy with my favorite name so far in the draft, Drake London. And that's because when I was a kid in the summertime, we didn't have cable when I was growing up. And so I watched soap operas in the middle of the day. And let me tell you, Drake London, wide receiver from USC. That man is not a wide receiver. He is a soap opera character from all my children or something. I mean, there's Drake London. Come on. Uh, but, but Carolina, I mean, uh, well, you'll have to tell me why, why you think Drake London is the first receiver in this draft. Carolina, I think has some things to work on, but what I'm interested here is your opinion on, on why you'd go receiver rather than offensive line. Cause their offensive line was kind of abysmal. Um, last year, but I also think that you shouldn't just draft on like, oh, well, we're not great at this one thing, so we have to draft it. <clears throat> Vikings, the last few years. Uh, so I just Drake London, your take. Um, okay, I, I think at this point, and certainly the combine could change things because I, I do believe, um, especially for wide receiver, like the combine workouts really like you can almost slot guys in, like if. Drake London at six foot four and 210 or 215 pounds kind of has like an AJ green type body. If he runs like four or five, he's not going to be the first receiver off the board, mm -hmm. but he looks pretty fast. He spent time on the USC basketball team. So we're not talking about like JJ Arcega Whiteside here that he's just like stiff down the field, catches jump balls. Although he is ridiculously good in those jump ball situations and the basketball style athleticism shows when he's trying to get off press at the line and especially after the catch like you're seeing six four on like the like roster sheet and you're like okay he's just like that rebounder down the field he is awesome after the catch and he's powerful after the catch too as for carolina i, I do certainly think that they could be in the kirk cousins sweepstakes because matt rule is probably like i need to kind of try to save my job at this point and even if kirk isn't the next 10 years, uh, you know, franchise level quarterback, he's certainly better than Sam Darnold and the other quarterbacks that they've had there at the beginning of the Matt Rule era. But I've given them offensive linemen, but with this mock, there's kind of at this point, and I feel like it's going to stay this way the top three there's Evan Neal, there's Iki Ikwanwu, and Charles Cross. There's other good offensive tackles, but I don't know if like any of those small school types, Trevor Penning, like I mentioned earlier from Northern Iowa and Bernard Raymond from central Michigan are so good that they're going to go inside the top 10. So if right here, you're the Panthers, you're like, oh, crap, all the offensive tackles are gone. What else do we need? They spent an entire draft on defense in Matt rules first year as the head coach there, which in this day and age seems preposterous. Um, I just said, Hey, let's pick the number one wide receiver in this class. Someone that's big, that's good after the catch. I can get open. That can win contested catch situations. Uh, so that's kind of the book on Drake London. And I, I really think, the Carolina Panthers have a lot of holes to fill being inside the top 10. Um, three things real quick. One is a pun. I won't rule out Carolina trading for cousins. <laughs> am I right? Uh, two, our buddy Sage Rosenfels always talks about wide receivers and basketball. He was saying that like, you think about is this particular skill of tracking the ball, footwork, bendiness, things like he's that. Bendy. They just, he's bendy. yeah. I mean, I, I wrote a piece once about Adam Thielen and what a great basketball player he was in high school and just like the traits that translated from being a great basketball player. And I remember hearing someone say that I think it was Joe Thomas or uh, Andrew Hawkins on their podcast on uh, the Tomahawk podcast. He said that A.J. Green is the most ridiculous basketball player he's ever seen. I mean, that, that, so that that kind of it fits. Um, and what was the other part uh, that 
I mean, for, for Carolina, I think that like they're another team that still just needs bodies that they were really far away and then they don't have good coaching mm-hmm. either. And Robbie Anderson doesn't seem like he's a fit there. Uh, when they played the Vikings, he dropped every pass. So like, he just has not really fit in with Carolina. So they might be looking to some ter- to uh, pair somebody with DJ Moore. Um, uh, you went with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau to the Giants with number seven in your mock here. W- was he not like the guy that was going to go number one? I mean, it felt like that going into the season. And I've always kind of felt like when a guy drops throughout a year, I almost think people like yourself get a little bored of the guy and you start nitpicking. And sometimes that's a really good pick. Yeah, that's a good way to lead into it. I I think there are some people that that do get bored when someone is that hyped for that long, like Kayvon Thibodeau was. Um, What I will say was interesting, and and this selection and having him fall uh, to number seven to the Giants was a little bit of just kind of tracking the other mock drafts and seeing that like, there are some people thinking that maybe because of off field, like maturity issues, he could drop a little bit. He was on like Joel Klatt's podcast or oh, something yeah, on, on Fox and said something like kind of said, like I picked Oregon because of the brand. And then he made a weird mention of like, I whipped Evan Neal's butt at like the opening, that big like recruiting event. And like, that wasn't the case. Like people, tweeted out like video of Evan Neal, like shutting him down like four years ago when they were 18 years old. This stuff just, seems silly. It seems like a silly, it's silly, but, but yeah. yes, 100%. But I mean, if that's what happens, maybe that's what happens. And we know teams get weirded out from stupid stuff a lot. And it, and it usually leads to bad selections or guys falling when they shouldn't. Don't you but think I if you're the team who can spot stupid that you just get ahead in this game? Like that's stupid. Yeah. Like who cares yes. if he thinks he yes. whips somebody who's 18? That is an edge that you can have as a front office. If you're like, this is this is why this guy's falling. What I was going to say, though, as an analyst, watching Kayvon Thibodeau, you see glimpses and sometimes long stretches of him looking like Miles Garrett, that he's long. He, he's not quite yet big as Miles Garrett. Like He was 6'4", 272 at the combine. I don't think uh, Thibodeau is going to be that big, but he's not someone that wins with a variety of pass rushing moves yet. A lot of what he did, and we talked about it earlier with what makes a not just a good but like an elite pass rusher. Any guy, Miles Garrett, Von Miller, whoever you want to talk about, Danelle Hunter, even Everson Griffin, who was really productive for a long stretch. Power, pass rushing moves, bend, speed. Thibodeau has the bendiness, he has the length, pretty good power, but it was almost like he was so better or so much further ahead than the offensive tackles he was facing in the Pac 12 in those areas. When he did face better competition, like when they would get into bowl games and stuff, it would be like, oh, he can't just win with his outside speed rush or his bull rush. Where's like the dominant pass rushing moves? Where's the finesse side of the game that I always said that like J.J. Watt is someone that is, you know, big, hulking, powerful player. I think J.J. Watt is like the most finesse player or certainly in his prime was like the most finesse player in the league. Like blockers couldn't get their hands on him because he was just like a ballerina dancing around a 290 pound ballerina. That's part of the reason why I'm a little lower on Thibodeau and I could see a team being like, okay, all the off field stuff is stupid. Maybe we're just going to still pick him in the 10 because of his upside. But Aiden Hutchinson is more of a finished product right now. And maybe some teams like the Kayvon Thibodeau is not a finished product, but there could be some teams like, hey, what if he never really develops pass rushing moves and thinks 
I'm the alpha edge rusher in the NFL. It's the supreme athlete. I've always been that since I was a recruit. And you can't do that in the NFL. You're not just going to be able to win beating blockers one or two ways. So there will be the off-field maturity. I'm you know, more worried about my brand issues with him. But when you watch Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau back-to-back, you see someone that's polished and see someone that needs a little more refinement as a pass rusher. Okay. I mean, just real quick side, side discussion, just side discussion. What's a real okay. character issue. I mean, what we should really define just real quick, what a real character issue is because in my mind, a player caring about his own personal brand, uh, you better get used to it folks with NILs. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and I love it. I think NILs are amazing. The fact that college athletes, and especially we've seen this for women college athletes, where they can just start making cash as college athletes by being sponsored like me and the podcast and anything else uh, Mm -hmm. that always should have been the case. It's ridiculous that it wasn't. And people start building their brands as prospects in sports, whatever, these days as kids, as 13, 14 years old or whatever, uh, you know, they start building their Instagram and they tweet out everything that they do and whatever else, like get used to it, folks. Yeah. Uh, that's always going to be the case. And also, like how many players have their money on their mind and their mind on their money? Like a lot. And they should. I mean, because if you're one of the greatest athletes in the world at the sport, that's the most lucrative. Oh my God. How dare this guy think about like how much money he can make? Like what? Like, I, I'm not saying that this guy doesn't have this problem, but I also don't think as a defensive end, you have to be a team player, go sack dudes. Like that's your main job. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of guys who are very much independent contractors in the NFL and some of them win championships. Yeah, two quick things on that. I think you're absolutely right, and I'm total agreeance with you about players like having money on their mind once they're entering the NFL and like how you know where I land, what's like how's it going to do for my brand. I do think though, and yes, we will see this over the next decade and forever. I do think though, Thibodeau is kind of at the 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 forefront of this, where there could be some general managers that have never really seen that because we're just entering the you know NIL. Uh, landscape last year that being the first guy could rub some guys the wrong way because we've never really had a college athlete be that open about it. Um, And I went with him to the Giants because Joe Shane was the assistant GM in Buffalo. And who knows what happens when an assistant GM becomes a GM of another team? Like, does he carry on some of the philosophies that the GM above him had? The Bills and Brandon Bean, and I feel like this was the case with Bielman, um, with the Vikings, they picked a lot of like high upside raw players. Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, they just picked Spencer Brown in the third round, the right tackle, who was like 6'9", 300 pounds, and was a crazy athlete. Um, I, I could see the Giants saying, hey, you know what? We're just going to draft him for upside. And with the last thing on Thibodeau, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes number two overall, that a team just says, hey, like if – if Dan Campbell thinks, hey, this guy could be Miles Garrett 2.0, he's not a finished product, but we're okay with that. And it seems like Dan Campbell's a little more well-adjusted than we maybe thought he was going to be with like going for it on fourth downs and being a real players coach. So Thibodeau is the one that is could go number two. He could fall outside of the top 10. So there will be a wide array of opinions on him, not just from draft analysts, but for you know scouting departments and front offices around the league. I just had an idea. And I want to say it so you remember it and I remember it. I want to do a whole show where we only compare top prospects to busts. 
because no one ever does that. Like never. Oh, That's oh, great. Let's only do ever. That. Yeah. Only ever already, compare them to bus. My mind is already going. The only time you ever hear it is when there's like a large black quarterback that people be like, is this guy Jamarcus? They're like, <laughs> yeah, it's uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, okay. So as we, you know, get through the next couple of picks, uh, you mentioned that Derek Stingley has a chance to be like a top guy. Now you've got him going number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. And this is where things get, I think, even more interesting for the Vikings as they think about corners Potentially, they're obviously drafting a quarterback, but corners are pretty necessary. You know why? They have none. Nobody, nobody plays corner for the Vikings at this moment. So, uh, except Cam Dantzler. So, um, what 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 are we thinking on him? It seems like he's it's a little hard to pin down. Yeah, he is because he was sensational in that epic 2019 LSU season as a true freshman, 18 years old, bunch of picks, shut down Alabama receivers. 2020 shortened year uh, wasn't quite as good and only played like three games this season before he had like an undisclosed injury and then uh, just kind of shut it down, which no one really was, you know, faulting him for that because he had already shown that he was probably a, a top half of the first round selection kind of feels like Marshawn Lattimore or uh, not really Jalen Ramsey. Cause he's not that big, uh, but he's tall. He's lanky, very smooth athlete and tremendous ball skills. And when I like, to write in my scouting notes, his ball awareness. Like he knows when the ball's arriving, you're not going to see a lot of passes like over his shoulder where he's like, where's the football? Like that's always the thing that bugs me when watching corners, great coverage they are down the sideline and they just don't know, like they don't see the receiver putting their hands out. So Derek Stingley will be a top 10 pick. He could get within striking distance of the Vikings. I don't know how keen on trading up uh, that they would be for a corner, but Derek Stingley has a very, bright future in the nfl ball awareness that ball uh, awareness i know when you say ball a lot it's a little strange a podcast i mean all the draft stuff is a little bit yeah. sexual um yeah. so uh all right i'm just going to go through these a little quicker sure. so we can we, get to yeah. the 11th yeah. pick where everyone will be enraged with you so uh you got trayvon walker going to denver with the number nine picks he's a defensive lineman from georgia and then garrett wilson wide receiver from ohio state which if you've seen him play He's really good going to the yes. New York Jets. One of my favorite prospects that I've actually seen play so far. And then at 11, you have Malik Willis being picked right before the Vikings. Now, this is where when the Jets come up, since they've got their young quarterback, Kwesi Adafo Mensa picks up his rotary phone, ring, 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 and says... Hello, Jets. We would like one Malik Willis. Would you uh, like it to trade? Uh, but uh, you think that Willis will be the first quarterback off the board and going right before the Vikings? I do. Uh, I mean, certainly when I made this mock draft, I didn't know that we were going to be talking about this on this episode. But I think it's good to have to maybe rile up the listenership a little bit because we normally agree on everything. And this is certainly a scenario that could unfold. Uh, I, I do think that Malik Willis will be the first quarterback off the board, not just because he's my quarterback number one, but really the theme of this episode, because his traits are just clearly better than Kenny Pickett's, than Sam Howell's, than Matt Corral's, Desmond Ritter, any of the other quarterbacks. I think we could still see maybe four inside the first round. But because we're in this era and everyone is fresh in their mind watching Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert have a great season, that I think these teams are going to be like, let's not aim for top 20 quarterback let's let's aim for potentially top five quarterback Malik Willis definitely raw 
Um, but raw in the sense of he's not a quarterback that has unfixable parts to his game. I think he's very accurate from a clean pocket down the field, intermediate level, the running, the arm strength. I think that will ultimately be the separator and have him go first at the quarterback position. Yeah, and I think with Washington, it really comes down to what they do otherwise. I mean, mm-hmm. there's really only maybe one scenario where you could see them not being interested in drafting a quarterback, and that's Russell Wilson. If they trade yeah. for Russell Wilson somehow, then of course they're not drafting a quarterback. But if you trade for Jimmy G, no, you you could pick Malik Willis there for sure. Uh, I think Jimmy G only has one year left on his contract. You could be good next year. They could do that whole thing and use him as a really terrific bridge quarterback to your next guy. Uh, so I think Washington is a very serious threat to the Vikings to draft a quarterback. Now, uh, with the Vikings, you have uh, Ahmad Gardner. Is this the guy whose nickname is Sauce from yes, Cincinnati? Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner. I don't know if I could say that with a straight face too many times, but uh, Cincinnati, I mean, they've got some ball players in this world now, Chris. Uh, and I think that if the Vikings are not drafting a quarterback, it would be like if you were putting, I don't know how to correctly put odds on stuff as a gambler, but plus whatever would be your your top pick outside of quarterback corner and then probably edge rusher are way up at the top. Yeah, and, and with Sauce Gardner, I think it would, he looks like a number one outside cornerback and those are the guys that are picked this early in the draft. We saw Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn go inside the top 15 last year they were over six foot they had all the athleticism the, the productivity um the only thing really working against sauce gardner is that he played at cincinnati and like you will see and your listeners will see um that you know he never allowed a touchdown in his career no receiver had more than like 30 yards against him in a game like he was not really facing the best talent in the college football playoff though against alabama he held his own um the only concern i have from him is that he's like Supposed to be like 6'3, 200 pounds. And I don't know if that type of cornerback is really primed to succeed in today's NFL. Like they would have been, say, when uh, Xavier Rhodes was picked, what, 2011? 2011, uh, 13, I think. 13, 13, 13. Yeah. In that there's just a lot of smaller, quicker separators that you're not really facing Jordy Nelson and Calvin Johnson and Brandon Marshall. Like the elite receivers aren't really those big types anymore. Yeah. Uh, but Sauce Gardner is super fluid, uh, a man to man cornerback. I think Ed Donatel is going to run, I'm assuming, close to a, a, a Vic Fangio style defense. Mm-hmm. And they just picked a corner in the first round, like I said last year, in Patrick Sertan. So that's a very important position. And yeah, if they don't go a quarterback in the first round, I would be totally fine with Ahmad Sauce Gardner here because at his size, he should not be able to move as fluidly as he does. And he just had really almost a perfect college career. Like his film can't really get any better. And those types of defenses, Fangio style, seem to have one of these guys when they're good. Like Jalen yes. Jalen yep. Ramsey, Jair Alexander. Yep. It's kind of like that. Uh, okay, so let's do a quick hit on each of the quarterbacks that has the potential to go in the first round and uh, sure. just give me two sentences on what you need to see from them uh, at the combine, because if it's more than two sentences, we'll just talk for the rest of the night. And I have another podcast I need to do and I haven't eaten with. Uh, so there you go. But uh, okay. Do, 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 What did they need to do at the combine? Malik Willis. Throw accurately. And that's it really, because his arm strength is going to be amazing. 
What do they need to do at the combine? Kenny Pickett. Have hands close to nine inches and show. <laughs> Is that ridiculous? A... Yeah, Come well, on. it's true. I, I hate he has to say to have it, but hands it... close to nine inches. His what hands the hell cannot, sentences are we saying on this podcast? His hands cannot be like eight and a fourth. There's just no way that he's <laughs> going to be picked at early. And he needs to show a little bit more zip than he did at yeah. the senior bowl. I totally agree with that. Uh, there was there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do do Matt Corral at the combine. Um, it's, it's just hard because the combine doesn't really matter for, for quarterbacks. Um, Come on. I, arm strength, arm strength. I think will be a big thing for him because he can let it rip down the field. I want to see more velocity. And I think people will want to see more velocity at those intermediate throws from Matt Corral. What do they need to do at the combine? Desmond Ritter. Footwork. A lot of his misses are when he's not perfectly set. He has the arm talent-ish ability, but a lot of times like when he's rolling to his right, he doesn't really get set and you see the ball airmail a little bit. So footwork for him. Do, 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 do Sam Howell go downfield accuracy in 2020 with four NFL skill position players. He looked good this past year, not as good, but a lot of it was like missing open receivers deep. And they definitely let the quarterbacks let it rip down the field, better downfield accuracy for Sam Howell. Do, 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 should I care about Carson Strong? No, no, I don't think so. No, no, who cares? No, no, I'm gonna pass. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I, he throws real hard, he's real tall. I don't know, just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem like that's the way, but uh, okay, great. So you and I may be able to get together. We're gonna try the combine is crazy, so we'll try uh, in Indy to get together. If we don't, we'll definitely have a full breakdown of what happened and all the rumors and everything. But there's your primer for the projected top draft picks, what we're looking for, for them, some of the discussions involving them. And uh, by the end of the combine, Chris will be changing his mock draft to have the Vikings trading up to take Malik Willis. I promise all of you that we will get there. I will convince you to do that by the end of, uh, of draft season. So Chris, always great stuff. Follow Chris at Chris Trapasso like trap and then asso uh, and cbssports.com. Go check out the entire mock and uh, we'll see you soon, Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks, Matt.